Well, good morning, uh, Parksville Church. If I um, had a way to describe what we're about to do right now, it would, I might have a, actually a fire pit going here, and I would call this um, uh, backyard in the Hawkses around the fire pit. And it's um, sort of an opportunity if you were to ask me, well, Paul, what have you been thinking? What have you been feeling? What have you been working through in the last year? And I would just take a few minutes, and this is what I would say. I've written my thoughts down so I don't ramble too much because I often uh, ramble. But um, next week, actually, will mark the one-year anniversary since we have been able to meet freely as the body of Christ with no imposed restrictions. I've said very little about these restrictions, at least publicly, nor has our leadership. And I think I could say that at this point, we continue to embrace the spirit of these orders. The leadership has had casual conversations about our current situation and have been part of every ministry decision that we have made to this point this year. And we continue to discuss the implications and the realities of the ongoing um, health orders that we live with to this date. Personally, I have wrestled with texts like Romans chapter 13, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, 1 Peter chapter 2 to just mention a few verses insofar as they guide the Christian and the Christian's response to secular authority, actually secular or sacred, private or public, good or evil. And I wrestle with the reality that Christians are bound to obey all of Scripture, not just the passages that we agree with or the passages that support our position. But this is not a blind, uh, nor it's unquestioning submission. I think, furthermore, I wrestle with the relationship between and the reach, reach reach of secular authority with church authority or the realm of the church. We even have such things like that articulated in our statement of faith where it says that the church should remain distinct and separate from the state and that there should be no intrusion of the one into the affairs of the other. And I firmly believe that Christ is the head of the church, not the state. And nowhere do I find in scripture that secular authority has authority over the church. Yet it does seem that At times, we are coming perilously close to seeing an interaction between those two which is not justified. When the state can determine when we meet, who can meet, what we can do when we meet, we're coming close to, I think, an intrusion in that boundary. Personally, if you ask me, I would say I'm frustrated by what seems to be unfair and unexplained and even sometimes unscientific and unreasonable application of health orders as it relates to the gathering of God's people. Particularly when we continue to open our building to the community, at times having hundreds of people in our building in only a few days, opening our building on a regular uh, weekly basis to groups that are deemed essential. And yet as a people of God, we are not allowed to meet in our building. Those things frustrate me. These are unique times. And these are simply my questions and observations. Remember, we're sitting around a fire pit and you've asked me what I think. If you haven't already read an open letter by 
Pastor Sam Chu of Wesleyan Baptist Church in North Vancouver, an open letter written to Dr. Bonnie Henry and to Minister Adrian Dix. I encourage you to go online, find it, and read it. It is one Christian response to the current situation in BC, which I find I resonate with much of what he writes. What I am confident to say is this, that the decisions that have been in place across Canada and in BC are beginning to have an impact on men and women, boys and girls, in general and amongst the people of God. And while there have been some benefits in some relationships and in some situations, there has been a great deal of harm that people are experiencing. In no particular order, I think we are realizing that our spiritual health can be suffering. The isolation that we are experiencing is the people of God is having a significant impact on our ability to relate to one another as the Bible tells us we are to relate to one another. The one another ministries that take place when we gather together physically. We are meant to sing together, to learn together, to cry together, to rejoice together, to pray together, to bear one another's burdens and to learn with one another. Temptation at the best of times is difficult to deal with, but in isolation I think it becomes even exponentially more difficult to deal with. When Hebrews explicitly explicitly reminds us to take care when we are with one another, to encourage one another not to fall into temptation. We are losing disciplines, I think, that are encouraged when we meet together. Disciplines that we remind one another to persevere, to rejoice in trials, to be steadfast in our hope. Disciplines of encouragement amongst us as the body of Christ. I think it's no secret that the body of Christ and the Lord's people thrive on mutual assistance. That God has given one another uh, to us that we might be channels of strength and encouragement. And in fact, this is what Paul prayed in Ephesians when he prayed that you, having your roots and foundation in love, might have strength to grasp together with all the saints how wide and long and high and deep Christ's love is. Notice that phrase, strength to grasp together with all the saints. Getting a grip on the limitless love of Christ is not something that the believer does in isolation. It can only be done together with all of the saints. The unity and fellowship of God's people is not some weak idea for weak Christians. It is an essential condition for experiencing the strength of our God. And so I am concerned about the spiritual health of God's people. I think it's no secret also that as we look back over a year now, that mental and physical health of men and women and boys and girls of all ages is being impacted. We see anxiety and worry and stress rising. We see fear gripping a greater percentage of our population than ever before. We see a rise in suicide and drug overdose. We have undiagnosed illness due to restricted or worried access to medical experts. And so we're suffering mentally and physically. I think we also see that relational health is being impacted by the restrictions of this past year. Many marriages are straining. Many families are straining in their relationships with parents and children and children with parents. Relationships among families 
are straining. When people are being admitted to hospitals and care homes and until very, very recently have been really left alone there with the inability of loved ones or pastors to visit and care for them. Fourthly, and I think one of the things at least that worries me and that I observe is that mutual shaping is being significantly reduced. And by that I mean the ability for us to sharpen one another as iron sharpens iron has been significantly reduced. And so I'm concerned with the narrowness that is drawing many of us into its vortex. Politically, we often sit alone for hours on end watching CNN or CBC, Rebel News or Fox News, or pick your news broadcast. We no longer have our thinking challenged. And increasingly then, we are having our ears tickled and listening to only those things that we want to hear or listen to. In regards to world health and financial situations, we process these things by searching websites and social media platforms and only deepen our thinking and never really have it challenged because we're in isolation and read only those things that attract us. In regard to theology and spirituality, I'm finding that people are struggling as they read only those theological positions that they agree with or those theological um, people that they regularly listen to and they don't, aren't challenged in their views any longer. They aren't They aren't um, softened in their views any longer. And I find this particularly disturbing as we need to constantly have our views challenged and tested and sharpened. And so those are just some of the things that I see taking place. And um, I would say if we were sitting around a fireplace, you asked me, and so I told you. Um, It's not without hope. I'm absolutely convinced that the world is God's world. I'm absolutely convinced that the church is God's church and not even the gates of hell will prevail against it. But these are difficult times for the people of God and for the people in our world. I wanted to finally just take a couple moments and address three of the things that we have been doing and that we have been focusing on as a church amongst ourselves. I realize that uh, being a part, you don't always hear the explanations and the the reasonings why we do the things that we do. So I simply want to just touch on very briefly three things that we do on a regular basis and why we do them. One is our live stream. The second is our approach to the Lord's Day. And the third is our interaction around the Lord's table. And so the first is our live stream. On Friday, March the 13th, 2020, we shifted our plan and our intention for gathering on March the 15th as a group of people as we normally would to live streaming our service from the Connections Room. Looking back on that few days that we had to make that transition, we can now see how God had prepared us for that day in allowing us to have the Connections Room set up with a sound booth and all the technology really that we needed to at least get us few those first few weeks. And we made a few decisions in those few days, and have stayed with those week after week based on some convictions which we still maintain to this day. The first is we did not then, and we do not now, understand our live stream to be a replacement for our personal, physical gathering 
of God's people. In fact, we see it as a distant second to that. Our heart's desire and our determination and our goal is to meet together again in person with God's people. Secondly, we determined on that first weekend that the dominant words of our live stream would be the word of God and not the words of men or women. We would read more of the word, we would sing more of the word, we would pray more of the word, and we would preach the word of God. It's not that we're unaware of what's going on around us. It's not that we're unaware of what is on the news. It's that we determine that in our live stream, we would focus on the word of God and the eternal words of God. God is the best interpreter of our world. God is the best at giving us an understanding of how to interact with what we are facing in our day-to-day lives. Secondly, we determined that we would strive for a well-done live stream, not a professionally produced service. So while we have spent monies upgrading equipment and software and purchasing a few cameras and microphones, we were consciously not going to invest significant amounts of monies into producing the best possible live stream ever. To that end, we also determined that our live stream would be a live stream. That is, it would not be pre-recorded during the week and then posted on the Lord's Day. We decided this for numerous reasons, some of which are because of the implications of our schedules and the changes that would have to take place in the office during the week. Because of the implications of losing the humanness for the goal of perfection because of the strain on our staff and resources and many of those who work with us on Sundays in our technology department and our live stream department have full-time jobs and serve us on their own time after those particular jobs. This has meant that from time to time we have lost our internet connection. It has meant that we have struggled with technical issues and it has meant that we can't redo something that we would probably have done differently if we were pre-recording it. Now, these decisions were made in light of the fact that live stream was never intended to replace the gathering of God's people. When we made these decisions, did we think that we would still be doing this a year later? No. But the conviction remains, live stream is not a replacement for the Lord's Day in-person worship. And some of this might make more sense when I just explain a little bit of our view to the Lord's Day. One of the main reasons that we don't pre-record our live stream is because of our conviction of the centrality and importance of the Lord's day worship. The day matters. It matters to you and it matters to me. Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. And so we determined early on and still believe it now that it is important that we maintain that regular routine We do not want to pre-record our service, post it, and then take the weekend off. We want to encourage you and your family to fight for the Lord's Day, to fight for a routine that maintains Lord's Day worship, to remember that God gave us a routine of seven days, six of which was to entail work, and one of them which was to be a unique and a different day. If you cast aside this pre-COVID routine, What have you replaced it with? 
Then what will happen when we're able to meet again? Will it be natural for you and your family to restructure your lives in order to meet with God's people on the Lord's day? It's our commitment then to meeting on the Lord's day that has determined our commitment to live stream our service on the Lord's day. Some of you might say, well, what about Christmas Eve or what about our Good Friday service coming up? Why are we pre-recording those? Well, those are not days or services mandated in Scripture, nor are they events that take place on the Lord's Day. And so we feel it is okay to pre-record those services so that our staff can have those times off and with their families. Finally, the Lord's Table. If you've been with us since the beginning of these regulations, curbing the public gathering of God's people, you will know that we have wrestled with celebrating the Lord's table. For the first number of months, and I believe it was four months in particular, we did not celebrate the Lord's table via live stream. But as soon as we were able to meet again with the people of God, even in limited numbers, we determined that we would provide opportunities for people to come here and partake of the Lord's table. We made provision for two of those opportunities each week for groups of 50 to come and in person share the Lord's table. We sang a little bit, we shared a short meditation, and then we gathered around the Lord's table. We then determined when we could meet as a congregation to participate in the Lord's table on the first and the third Sundays of each month during those public gatherings. We didn't include those in our live stream, but simply at the end of the service, turned off our live stream and shared the Lord's table with those that were present in the building. The last change that we made to live stream the Lord's table was at 10 a.m. in the morning, and then to edit it out at the end of that day so that you could watch the live stream anytime throughout the rest of the week, but you would not see the Lord's table portion of that service on our live stream. I'll explain that in a moment. You would know that all along, though, we have encouraged families, life groups, and live stream groups to share the Lord's table among themselves as we have been able to meet. So what's up with all of this? Why did we make these decisions? First, we realized that there were some who, for various reasons, were unable to be part of a small group or live stream group, or to join us in person, who had prepared each week to share together in the Lord's table on the first and third Sundays. And these people were disappointed when at the end of the service we turned off our feed so that they couldn't participate in the Lord's table. We also realized as we wrestled with the Lord's table that there is no biblical mandate for how often we as a church gather together to partake of the Lord's table. Thirdly, part of our wrestlings was that our conviction in the fact that the elements matter. It matters that we have bread and we have grape juice or juice from the vine. We don't use pizza or Coke or any other alternatives. The symbolism behind the bread and the cup mattered. And we wanted to ensure that if you were participating at home that you understood that. And so we prepared some videos that you can watch about why we do what we do and how you can lead the Lord's table in your own home.
Most significant of all, though, was our conviction that the Lord's table is something done when believers gather together physically. The physical presence of the Lord's people together to remember the Lord's death is emphasized in Scripture again and again. But as we realized that our time apart had no end in sight, it was lasting longer than we thought reasonable, and the implication of this separateness for the body of Christ needed to be addressed. So that's why we did not lead in the Lord's table via live stream for the first few months. That is why we encouraged people to sign up for a special time of sharing the Lord's table when we could meet. That is why we chose to turn off the live stream when we were able to gather together, albeit in groups of 50, and eat the meal together. So here we are today. Our current practice is something of a concession. But it is a concession with boundaries. With no stated guidelines in the scripture about eating the meal during a lockdown or sharing the meal virtually, you might argue that our choices are arbitrary and you may have a point. But by sharing the Lord's table only during our live stream service at 10 a.m., and then editing out after that, we are saying that we want you to know that when you partake in the meal with us in that service, you are participating at least in spirit with everyone else who is a part of PFBC watching at 10 a.m. It might not matter to you that this is the case, but it matters to us. This is our way of saying that wherever we are, we are gathered at the same time with hundreds of other PC brothers and sisters, PFBC brothers and sisters, together, at least in spirit, around the Lord's table. Finally, and in addition to that, one last comment about the Lord's table. In nowhere does the Bible ever say that the Lord's table must be led by elders. And it's restricted to only being led by elders or leaders in the church. Like the Passover meal in Egypt when it was first celebrated, you can lead it in your home, with your family, or with your life group when they are able to meet again. And as I said, we have recorded some talks on where you can go to find help or information about that. I trust that this maybe has clarified some of the questions that you may have had. If you would like further clarification or would like to meet with us, contact the office and we would encourage you to chat with us. If you are so inclined, we would also encourage you to letter or write a letter to Dr. Bonnie Henry or to Adrian Dix about some of the comments that I made in the earlier section. Do so with humility and with carefulness in your language, but there's nothing wrong with making our voice known. Finally, as I was thinking about this in my office even this morning, I was reflecting on the days when the church was first gathering and starting up in the book of Acts. These are not a days day so much when the church was organized as they were days of just incredible, joyful fellowship. And the scripture says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. Pray for us for the day when we don't have to wonder if it is okay for us to meet with one another in our homes, pray for the day when once again our auditorium would be open for opportunity for us to gather in person with one another. Father, we thank you for your word and 
we thank you for just this opportunity to catch up on some of the decisions and some of our thoughts and feelings of this last year. Father, I expect that many of us have many different responses to what's been going on in our world right now, and I don't necessarily think there is only one response. I do think there are some wrong responses, but you, would you continue to give us unity as a body of Christ here in Parksville, at Parksville Fellowship Baptist Church? Would you help us, Father, to grasp your word, which tells us to trust in you with all of our heart and to lean not on our own understanding, but in all our ways to acknowledge you, and you will make our path straight. Father, we might not always see two or three steps ahead of us, but you will always lead us one step at a time, at the very least. We trust your leading. We look back and we see the goodness and the wisdom of the way that you have guided and directed us so far, and we see no reason to doubt our trust in you in the days ahead. So guide us, we pray, in the name of Jesus, amen.